Welcome to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast, the premier provider of leadership consulting, culture shaping, and senior level executive search services. Every day, we're privileged to talk with fascinating people who are shaping the future through their leadership and vision. Each episode, you'll hear a different perspective from thought leaders and innovators. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hi, I'm Roman Wecker, a principal in the Heidringen Struggles Frankfurt office and a member of the Global Industrial and Sustainability Practice. In today's podcast, I'm talking to Andreas Feiner, CEO of Arabesque S-Ray, a global group of financial technology companies offering sustainable investment, advisory and data services. And to Philipp Rösler, the former Vice Chancellor and Minister of Economic Affairs of the Federal Republic of Germany and affiliated with Arabesque S-Ray. Philip, um, if you would like to point out one highlight about yourself to start the conversation. Yeah, so I have both experience, experience from politics, my previous life, and then, uh, you know, transformed into economics, into business via the World Economic Forum and now doing my own business. So I've seen to some extent both sides in terms of public-private cooperation. Thank you so much. And Andreas, one highlight about yourself? I think uh, it's worth mentioning it's it's basically my passion to support the mainstream of sustainability by making it performance relevant for investors as well as corporate management. Sustainability, if you do it really right and enabled by technology, is basically one of the few areas where you can create a world where you do the right thing and create a positive economic outcome. And doing this is really the passion of my life. Philip and Andreas, uh, welcome and thank you for taking the time uh, to speak with us today. So my first question, Andreas, uh, let's start with you. Arabesque S-Ray focuses on advisory and data solutions to assess the performance and sustainability of companies worldwide. How do you exactly measure sustainability? And is there already a kind of a global standard evolving? Uh, yes, definitely. And I think the global standards that are evolving are um, called SASPI, Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, the GRI, TCFD, and the uh, Science-Based Targets Initiative. But how we measure sustainability is very interesting. So we basically um, collect data from companies in and of themselves um, for a long-term signal. And we read thousands and thousands of news articles and NGO campaigns in order to have a more um, short-term element, which we then can, you know, uh, balance with the long-term uh, elements from the companies. With this, we get a, a full picture from, you know, company disclosure, but also what is said about companies. And what we do, for example, with the news articles, we read 30,000 articles a day and we do sentiment analysis with artificial intelligence to measure whether a company is performing well, not so well in terms of the sustainability topics. And we sell this to the, to the market in, in very interesting ways. For example, S&P is integrating our UN Global Compact scorings into the S&P 500. Furthermore, what we are also doing is we're basically building bespoke ESG scores for the market. And the most recent example is the work that we've done with the Wall Street Journal, where we have, again, used the, the framework of the Sustainability and Accounting Standards Board, SASBI, and married it up with um, the news articles which come out of the Dow Jones and the Wall Street Journal network. This is a very exciting project, and it was started um, in October. And if you want to read this up, basically, they, um, on a monthly basis, are now publishing the 100 most sustainable managed companies in the world. And this was powered and co-developed by Arabesque and the Dow Jones Wall Street Journal. So, so Philip, in your opinion, should one consider sustainability still rather as a pure cost center or already as a strategic competitive advantage? The companies who are focusing on ESG 
and they have a sustainable business model that are way more successful, even in terms of numbers and figures, than any other companies. So I think this is a, quite a proof that it's certainly a strategic competitive advantage and that every company should focus its future uh, on ESG means at least to always have ESG in mind and to take into consideration by each one of their management decisions. Andreas, back to you. Would you recommend to link the salary of the C-suite to achieving the company's sustainability targets? At least to a certain degree. Um, I think it would be not the right thing to, to have basically the full discretionary compensation or the salary linked to, to sustainability targets. But it should be a key part of the of the compensation model for C-suite because only if it's if it's performance relevant and only if it's you know cash flow relevant for, for the people in charge, then this will be something that will be fully implemented into the company and permeates down into the ranks. If you look at this, you know, research from Willis Towers Watson basically shows that um, more than half of the companies in the S&P 500 already have at least one ESG parameter um, as performance relevant or pay relevant for the C-suite. And if you think this through, probably if you design this as a company, then you might want to kind of take a couple of the ESG parameters, not an ESG score, which was something that was done in the past. But if you think about what is your key objective in the firm, what do you stand for as a firm, identify certain ESG parameters and start to measure those and make those pay relevant. This is kind of the trend that we are seeing in the market. Philip, sustainability is and has always been a key focus in your career. What is sustainability to you in one simple statement? So sustainability means for me, always the combination of freedom and responsibility means the freedom to live, to work, to make business is always combined with the responsibility for the environment, for the society, and for the next generation. So this is, in short, my idea of sustainability. And given your current non-executive roles in several company boards, how can boards become more involved in driving the sustainability agenda? To some extent, uh, depending on the different economic systems, but they're in the driver's seat. Look, if they are supposed to control the management board, for example, they can always ask the right question. They can you know, put in what we just discussed for the salary assessment, ESG uh, terms and topics into the contracts, but also in all their questions in respect of the current management and management and even business model, they should ask the right question. Have you in mind the environment? Have you in mind the responsibility for society? Have you in mind the responsibility for the next generation? And what is your what are your thoughts in terms of human rights? And so they can ask way more questions than asking for revenue, profit, top or bottom line. Andreas, in a world where the COVID pandemic has amplified volatility, what has changed in terms of sustainability strategy since the beginning of the current global crisis? I mean, the pandemic was... Um kind of bringing suffering of unspeakable proportions. And, and, and we all hope that kind of we are getting through this uh, very quickly and um, that this is going to end uh, hopefully very soon. In terms of sustainability strategy, I don't think that it has had a, a big impact in terms of changing the, the, tra the trajectory that we have been on. I think it has actually amplified it. At the beginning of the um, pandemic, um, basically the, the companies were very busy to implement everything that was required in order to react to the pandemic and to the new reality. 
But since the summer, basically, we see a lot coming back in terms of how do we make our company more resilient? How can we make it more performance um, resilient in, in the current crisis? And what we have seen is that sustainable companies have been much more resilient in this type of environment than companies that have less preparations in terms of the sustainability topic done in the past. And you can clearly see that in the stock market performance, because if you look into the top performers on ESG versus the bottom performers in ESG, and you just compare their stock prices, since the pandemic hit, there's a, a wide dispersion between the ones that are good versus the ones that have less sustainability implemented in, in their practices. And this is to the tune of more than 10% since the start of the, of the pandemic. So what we see also is that people understand the vulnerability that we are basically facing now in terms of the supply chains and in terms of the business and the revenue models. And this is now being more and more considered into, into the business processes. And the pandemic has accelerated that. Philip, uh, you touched based on this already in one of your previous answers, but I would like to elaborate a, a little bit further on this. So what, what can current governments do at a global level to drive sustainability efforts or, or should companies be in the driving seat um, and uh, we should be the priority link to international politics? Public-private cooperation is always key. Neither the private sector nor the public sector on its own will be able to solve any problem. So you need always this public-private cooperation. And if it comes to sustainability, I think the public sector has the role to set the right legal framework, but the framework has to be filled by the private sector. It sounds to some extent trivial, but it's not, because um, we see it um, actually on the global level. If you see now the United States and uh, the change of the administration, that will bring a huge push to global sustainability, because we would assume that, that the Biden administration will rejoin the Paris Agreement. And so this gives, will give sort of legal framework and, and some push to the public sectors across the world so that they can adopt and adjust their legal framework on a national level or regional level like the European Union. And then the economy has a clear idea what will happen, what are the rules for the next five to 10 years and they can put and adjust their business model in order to deliver to the idea of sustainability so this demonstrates that solving or having more sustainability you always need this public private cooperation so in your opinion what would be the the one single thing that companies and governments should do better to speed up the need for change i think they should realize and boast that sustainability is what you just asked before. It's not a downside for their business model or for economic success of a region or even country. It's more the other way around. It's what you asked for. It's a strategic competitiveness uh, advantage because those countries who are focusing on sustainability will be way more successful in the future, if not even already today. And the same is for the business. So in order to drive forward in a public-private cooperation sustainability, you need this understanding that's not a burden or additional cost or more bureaucracy. No, it's the other way around. It's opportunity to, to live the responsibility for your own life, for your own society, nation, and for the next generation. And I think if this mindset would be everywhere, I think then we'll make a huge step forward in terms of sustainability. Andreas, if we focus on talent strategy, 
Do you think companies are now well equipped to develop or hire leaders who can drive the sustainability agenda? Yeah, I think there's still a gap, you know, and uh, the gap is most apparent in, in basically two data points, which I would like to elaborate on. The first data point is the Accenture UN Global Compact CEO study, where 92% of the CEOs basically state that sustainability is a, is a real strategic priority and is, is very important to them. And at the other side, when you look into you know, how C-suite and boards and, and, and very strategic positions are basically hired and advertised, we see that less than 10% of those positions basically require a specific sustainability knowledge. And this kind of contrast is very stark. However, the trend is very positive. If you look into um, the great examples of Allianz and DWS, BSF, Siemens, but also Volkswagen now, they have put strong leadership and strong focus on the leadership level in terms of the sustainability. But in essence, this is uh, just the beginning. And I think it's coming from, from a low base, but it's accelerating very strong under the leadership of the, the institutions that I just mentioned. The other thing is, if you think about the, the position of a chief sustainability officer on the C-suite of a company, I reckon it's probably most, um, most likely to, to have the same trajectory as the chief compliance officer or the chief risk officer. These positions uh, in the past were also like minus three, minus two, um, and now are on the board level represented on the C-suite. I, I believe that in the next three to five years, each and every company needs to have a chief sustainability officer in order to be able to talk to investors, to get cheaper funding, to get their supply chains uh, organized, but also to fulfill all of the regulatory burdens that are, that are coming basically from, from global regulators in terms of sustainability. So, Andreas, that, that's been a, a great entree for my next question to, to Philip. Philip, do you think it is still rather a tick-the-box exercise for many organizations or are chief sustainability officers already truly empowered to make the necessary change happen? It always starts with the only tick-the-box issue, but even now I think we are way more advanced. So people have realized over the last years that this is not only tick-the-box because the legal framework is, is put in place. They understand that it's for their own benefit as an individual as well as for a company. And therefore, they even more asking for their more ideas way beyond uh, the legal needs. They by themselves are making a proposal. They're asking, they say, look, why don't we change our business model? Why don't we adapt? And so sometimes management is even faster than the board um, in, in respect of uh, sustainability. And again, that's very encouraging. And it's way beyond the idea of only ticking the box because the legal framework is put in place. Andreas, should this role not be unnecessary once sustainability is fully positioned within companies? I don't really think so. I mean, just think about the finance function. You know, the finance function is fully implemented into companies and you still have a CFO. And the same goes for, for compliance, for risk and for all of the other core functions of the business. Um, so I think it will always be necessary in the future to have a chief sustainability officer to coordinate all of the different angles of sustainability in a company, which basically touch, okay, how do I get some, some funding? How is my financing and the cost of financing, but also how do my operations and my customers and my products uh, uh, interact in the world? So I think the CSO function is here to stay. Philip, um, how critical is for new CEOs to already understand and be engaged with sustainability behaviors and plans? I think there should be um, not something extraordinary anymore. It should be the sort of new normal in CEOs' life or management lives in general. Because one thing is pretty clear, 
So all the future boards uh, who are responsible to put you in place as a CEO uh, will ask you, again, not only in terms of numbers and figures, but also in terms of ESG, in terms of sustainability. So the CEO is well advised for having this in mind and integrate these mindset into his day-to-day action, into his day-to-day management. What is, in your opinion, the single most important thing CEOs can do to become better leaders and better world citizens? They can try to to understand first what really sustainability means in general, but certainly also for their specific sector industry. Second, that's a question of mindset, they should realize that is not a legal need from outside, but should be part of their conviction. And not because this is a political or societal trend, no, because it's good for their role as a CEO, for their role as being responsible for a company, because leading a company has a lot to do with sustainability as well. So I think a good CEO should really put this into his day-to-day life, that ESG is a new normal of a responsible management. So my closing question again to you, Philip, uh, given your political background, what influence do you expect the president-elect Joe Biden will have on the global sustainability discussion besides what you mentioned that you would expect a, a rejoining of the Paris Agreement? So Andreas and I, we discussed it several times, but we are both super convinced that he will have a huge impact on sustainability on a global level, because it's still the largest economy in the world. And if the largest economy wants decided to jump into an issue, they will really push forward this issue. And one of the first, I think, sentence Joe Biden as a president-elect mentioned was that he will come back to the Paris Agreement, which is amazing because can you imagine if, if this economy and this society will put all the efforts and all the management doing, in addition to you know, the current um, day-to-day business, into sustainability, that will really change the discussion as well as the entire question of sustainability. And they will be at the same time a role model for all those who have said, oh, no, we don't need it, or, or maybe we sign it, but we don't take it seriously. I think really from now on, we will see a huge push for sustainability that's my assumption so andreas is is there anything to add from your side what i believe is that the us will become the leader in sustainability over the next years to come um, because usually you know when when such a big economy as, as philip said you know puts their minds to something and especially the us economy and the us um, people put their mind to something then they will move mountains and and i believe that um, this will happen here So actually, I think that the European Union and European countries need to really step up their game to stay ahead. And I think that is, you know, probably one of the the better ways of like kind of, you know, being in a competition, the competition to be more sustainable. I'm really looking forward to that. And being in that business is is something that is exciting for the years to come. So Philip and Andreas, thank you so much for this interview and thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.